Well, good day, Fellowship family. It's awesome to have you here with us as we worship Jesus. Uh, before I get going in my message, I just wanted to let you know we're going to be taking another trip to Israel May 29th to June 9th. And if you have an interest in going with me, I've preached about uh, the, the lands there. And if you'd like to go with me, feel free to join me right after the service, right up here. It'll be about five minutes. Trust me, I have someone actually timing it, a five-minute meeting. And I'll give you an info pack on it that uh, if you're interested, join me up here after. All right, you know, as we continue in this series called Follower, we're really looking at a follower of Jesus. And again, it um, doesn't get more complicated than this. A follower of Jesus follows Jesus. And so we know we need to know who he is. And I want to talk to you about a time where your, uh, your relationship with Jesus is tested. Tested in a time of temptation. And it's not long in the scriptures before uh, temptation enters the scene. Temptation enters the scene and tempts the, the, Satan through, the, through the, the serpent to the woman in the garden and tempts her with an attractive deception to the will and the way of God. God said, you can eat out of all these trees in the garden, but this one. Don't you just, that, that's the thing that bothers me is because that one, because someone said, no, I want to do what they said no to. And, and he gave her a deception to the will and the way of God. And it was pleasing to her to look at. It was good for food. And she ate. She gave it to her husband. They both fell into sin. And it's never been the same. God has endured though. He has sought us and come back for us. And brings us back to us now through Christ. How do you stand during a time of temptation? Again, just to define what temptation is. It's an attractive deception to the will and the way of God. Temptation is profoundly personal. It's aimed at weakness. It's linked at an internal desire, a deep longing, a longing for something that God made, but which we have substituted or which is offered to us as an alternative to something God created. And it's an alternative to the will and the way of God. John kind of describes the things in the world that attract us. He says in John in John chapter, uh, 1 John 2, 16, he says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but they're from the world. Think about these three areas, the desires of the flesh. These are things that we have a, a longing from, from our flesh. Like hunger is one of those things. We, when we don't get three meals a day, we hunger, we get hangry. Uh, and some of us overeat, we binge eat. And that desire of the flesh becomes a God to us. Sex is another thing that God has designed, one man, one woman, in the bond of marriage. And yet outside of that plan, that deceptive alternative is whenever you want to whoever you want to do that with. It's a, it's a desire of the flesh. And then there's the desires of the eyes, things we're attracted to with our eyes. I want that next gadget. I want that next thing. And then the pride of life, my significance, my income. My position, the power that I have, the place that I have in life. All those things are deceptively uh, attractive to us. But, but what John says is that they're not from the Father. They're from the world. And they, this, the world is passing away. But whoever does the will of God endures forever. Endures forever. So look at how temptation works. Because temptation is not a sin. 
When you're being tempted, you're not sinning yet, okay? So there's a progression, there's a sequence of it. You're offered a deceptive, you know, an attractive deception from Satan. And if you bite that, if you buy the lie, you sin. And sin, after it's practiced, over and over becomes a stronghold. And folks, strongholds don't fall easy. It's, they, there's a lot of pain in removing a stronghold from our lives. And it's difficult. It requires much work. Now, when's the best time to address this? It's when you're being tempted. It's not when it becomes a stronghold. That's going to take a lot of work. But if you can deal with the areas you're being tempted right now, and you can stand when you're tempted, it's the best time to do it. So now's the best time for us to do this work. It's when it's a seed before it gets into the soil, bears a root, and bears something you've got to, I mean, destroy the foundation of your life to get out. And so what we're called to is to stand firm in a time of temptation. We are called when we're tempted to either believe the truth of who God is and what he calls us to or by the lie of what Satan offers us as a deceptive alternative to the will and the way of God. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. A follower of Jesus is equipped and empowered to stand firm amidst temptation. That is the heart of God for you right now, is that you would stand firm, not fall flat, but stand firm in a time of of deception and temptation in your life. These things are real that I'm going to be talking about, and you are equipped and empowered by Jesus and the Spirit in your life to stand when you're tempted. Open with me to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Paul is going to kind of detail what have we been equipped with and whose power is it that's working in us and then how to put on this equipment that God has given us to stand firm in temptation. As you're turning to Ephesians chapter 6, let me just speak to anyone here who might be a little bit cynical about this or just question, like, I fall all the time. I don't know how I can endure during this. This is a sin that is just reaping havoc in my life, folks. You were never meant to do this on your own. So if you're feeling powerless, that's a good step. That's a good step. Because it's only when we come to the end of ourselves that we begin to trust with God. And we are here in a place where it's okay to not be okay. Where we can come messed up as we are and look to the person in the power of Jesus. Heal us, restore us, redeem us. So let's take a look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the, here it is, cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Let's look at this. Because there is that one word again over and over and over in this passage. Stand. Stand firm when you are tempted. So let's take a look at there's three things we need to know about this battle that we face with temptation. The first one is this is in order to endure, you must depend on God's power, not your own. Now we live in a culture that basically says, if it's going to be, it's up to me. 
And we are, we have people who believe, including us, that in a deceptive way that we have what we've earned and we're self-made, we're self-taught, we're self-successful. But everything we have is from the, uh, the Lord. Everything, including his strength for this battle, is ours. It's not going to be our own. It's not in you trying harder. It's not you going, okay, God is good. I'm bad. Just be good, everyone. Okay, stop sinning. Let's pray. We're out of here. You know, that's not this message. This is dependence on the person and the power of Jesus Christ. That we're called to be strong where? In the Lord and in the strength of his might. And in the scriptures, personal pronouns matter. It's not be strong in your strength. It's be strong in the Lord and in the power or the strength of his might. It's not about me. It's not up to me. It's in the power of Christ in me. Now, there will be responsibility when you are tempted. But the trust is not in yourself. It's not in your ideas. It's not in your knowledge. It's in the knowledge and the mind of Christ, which God has already provided for you. When this building was built... We put up these two massive girders that actually hold the whole roof of this building. And we had a crane come in. And inside that crane, in that little cab, there was a guy there with a joystick. It was just like Nintendo all over. And he was lifting up this massive girder to support the roof of this building. Who lifted? Who lifted that girder weighing thousands of pounds? The man didn't. The crane did. That's God. God does the hefty lifting. He does the heavy lifting in our lives. It's going to be God who comes in our lives and supports us. It's his power. It's his might. And everything on this roof was put up there by a crane. And so we need to realize that's the work that God is going to do for us. It's the Lord who's, who's going to fight this battle for us. So we need to be strong in him, not in ourselves. Secondly, we must be wise to the real enemy. Now, our world scoffs at the concept of the devil, of Satan. And Satan is mentioned here, the devil, the evil one, uh, the cosmic powers of darkness, the uh, these powers, these forces in the heavenly places. This is a real battle with a real strength and a strong person. Uh, Satan is a real enemy. He wasn't made up by the church to scare people. I grew up in the uh, character with Dana Carvey. Remember when he did the church lady? And he would talk about it and goes, oh, where did this come from? Could it be Satan? Remember that? Remember that? Okay, that's the world laughing at the concept. And we relegate him to a laugh that's something that's archaic, that, you know, irrelevant church ladies talk about. But in reality, it's a real enemy, a real enemy. And he's powerful. In other words, we will not win this battle without the power of God in us and with us. Peter talks about Satan as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's his end goal, to devour you, to kill, steal, and destroy that which is God's. And we need to realize that by following Satan, by buying or or going after the lie that he's going to give us, it always leads to us feeling stolen, us feeling destroyed, us feeling less than what God would have for us. 
So we need to realize he's real, he's powerful, he's evil. He's evil. There is a true evil. There is an ultimate good. God is that good. We need to realize that under the influence of temptation, he, say being Satan, will hate the goodness of God and will try to destroy it in our lives. And then he is deceitful. In other words, we're not always aware of his working. That's why temptation comes in the form of an attractive deception. It's not something we aren't struggling with. Temptation is something that we long for, that we are presented an alternative to what God has already provided us, and we look for and buy the lie when we give in to it. So, church, be careful. Be careful of two extremes with Satan. Number one, to downplay him, to ignore him and act like and scoff at it. Be careful not to do that. He is real. He is powerful. But also be careful on the other extreme not to overplay him. Like, Satan's in the car in front of me, you know? Don't do that. I've seen people go, well, you know, Satan got the best of me last night. I just got stoned, you know? No, there's some responsibility. There's responsibility here. It's not his fault that you gave in. That's his role. If you're a follower of Jesus, follow Jesus out of this and into the best of what God would have for us. You with me? Okay. So, thirdly, we must, we must put on and practice everything that Christ has given us to fight. We must. So I've had that, (laughs) had that nightmare of walking up here and beginning my message and looking down and thinking I forgot to put my pants on in the morning, okay? Um, but we all have that of, of feeling undressed in places that a lot of people will see us. We do not want to engage this battle half-dressed. We will be vulnerable in those areas. If someone just said, don't wear shoes today, your feet are vulnerable. If someone says, don't wear a shirt today, no shirt day. <laughs> Great. That doesn't work. We are called to put on the full armor of God. If you have a, a pen or a highlighter um, with if a digital copy, just underline whole armor. Not an incomplete, but all of it. God has given us all these things in our lives that we should wear all of them. If we forget one of them, we're vulnerable to attack in that area. And as we go through these, I just want to, to mention Think about what it would look like daily to put on each one of these things that God has given us. Don't be limited. Don't be vulnerable. Be available to God in times of temptation. So how do we stand amidst temptation? What has God given us to stand amidst temptation? Let's keep reading. Verse 14, stand, there's that word again, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's six things that Paul says God has fully equipped us for. We already have them when you have Jesus. And so we need to learn what these things are and what they mean to us. And how to use them. Let's go through each one of them one by one. First one he says, take on, put on, fasten on the belt of truth. Why? Because temptation is a deception. 
It's a lie. We need the truth of Jesus to guide us. And what this means is that we know and we live the truth. Another word for this is integrity. We take on integrity. And integrity, if you know math, integer means whole. It's being whole with God, with yourself, and with each other. It means we're the same person in here that we are in our homes, that we are at our workplaces, that we are in our neighborhoods, that we are on a Saturday night with the guys or with the ladies. We are the same person in all places. There's not an inconsistency. There's not darkness. There's not secrets that we're operating apart from God's will or way for our lives. We're whole. We're whole. God wants that for us. It kind of hems us in. That belt hems us in in the truth. And God is all about the truth. The truth always wins in our lives. Always. Whether we we are for it or against it, it always wins because God is the protector of truth. Fasten him on. And pray, God, I need you to guide me into truth today. Show me it clear as day what's truth and what's error. Second thing, he says, put up the breastplate of righteousness. What does the breastplate cover? It covers the heart, that vital organ. And so we need to protect our heart. What this means is that we pursue what is pure and right with our lives. What is pure and right. This is important. I love what Jesus says. He says, blessed are the pure in heart in his Sermon on the Mount, for they shall see God. Satan will attack what is pure. He will attack what is right. And your purity of motives, your purity of, no, of actions, your purity of your thoughts. Because without God guiding your thoughts and your motives and your eyes and your ears and your mouth and your feet, you will be led astray every time. So guard your heart, for out of it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Allow, have, have that longing to have more of God in your life. The breastplate of righteousness. And that righteousness was given to you in Christ. The beauty of the gospel is that righteousness is not up to you. It's the righteousness which Jesus gave you. The righteousness of God through the gospel. And then the shoes of the gospel. Here in the Roman army, as he refers to it, and by the way, he was a, he was a apostle who was at this time under prison arrest, house arrest. So he had a Roman guard. Can you imagine as Paul's writing this? He's probably looking at the guard going, yeah, that too. I need to wear that. And something like that spiritually, I need to. So he looked at the Roman guard's shoes. These were not flip flops because when you enter the battle with flip flops, you flip and you flop. But here, these were like cleats so that they could stand and hold their ground. What this means is, is he talks about the gospel of peace. This means we practice the peace of the gospel. Did you know that Jesus came to win you peace with God? He became, he became the payment for your sin. God took out all his wrath, all his judgment on the cross with Jesus. And so when he died and rose again, we now have peace. We have peace with God. God is no longer your enemy. He is your friend. God is no longer against you. He is for you. And all those who have Jesus have peace with God. We need to practice peace with God. We need to practice peace with ourselves. We need to practice peace with each other. Let's talk about peace with each other. Because when I am in conflict with someone, 
When I am bitter towards someone, when I roll my eyes at what someone thinks of me or, or says of me and I don't resolve that, I become a target for Satan to attack. He attacks peace in the church. That's why grace and peace would be a greeting that Paul would just want permeating every church. When he wrote a letter, grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Savior Jesus Christ, he would just call the church into peace. We're called to live in that peace. When I live with chaos in my life or conflict in my life and I don't resolve, unresolved relationships will set me up to be a pawn of Satan all the time. So we need to be sensitive to that. And we need to have feet that run, run to the peace that God gives us and run to restore broken relationships. We need to hear that, church. Because many of us don't see this as a ploy of Satan. Many of just go, well, they they deserve it. But if you look in the relationships of your life and you see that wake of overturned relationships, of overturned boats in your life, you got to go back and restore those, right those. Go back. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. But the Spirit of the Lord is pleased when we pursue peace with each other. And then he says, this fourth item, take up that shield of faith. Look what it says there. In every circumstance... Take up the shield of faith. Everything. Why? Because we'll be able to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Do you know how we're called to be people of faith? We're called to be people of faith when it doesn't make sense to us. It's easy to believe the things that come easy to us. We're under temptation where that deceptive alternative is being offered to us. That's a time where you go, I don't know now. I don't know if I would really follow God in this because that's just such an easy decision for me. And that will scratch the itch. I mean, that will do it. It's done that in the past. But it's when we don't really know that we are called to be people of faith. And when you don't really understand why God says he does, but you know that he's calling you to do that, that's when we become men and women of faith. And here, when we do that, just like the Roman army, they soaked those arrows in olive oil and they lit it and they aimed it and they fired it at the enemy and they came and that enemy would have to put up that shield because better uh, an arrow in the shield than an arrow in you, Right? And that's what God has given us faith for, to extinguish. When Satan says, I don't know, you better doubt that one. Or I don't know that God is really good. Or how could a good God allow that to happen to you? Or how, why are bad things happening to good people? And it's just not fair. And you can, can move towards doubt and despair and depression in this issue. That Hold up that shield of faith. He's given that to you. Extinguish those darts that are thrown at you. And then he says, pick up the helmet of salvation. Now, we know helmets, but we don't necessarily know helmets as in a battle environment, unless you serve in the military. But we know helmets by the NFL, right? <laughs> and when the NFL, you know, you, you don't wear a helmet, it's, you know, throw the flag, you got your helmet off, because helmets protect the head. And what does this mean for us today? Just as it did in the time of Paul, it means that we take on the mind of Christ. We guard our thoughts. We take on the mind of Christ to help us discern what is right and wrong. We seek whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is just, whatsoever is pure, 
whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is commendable, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's what we do. We take on the helmet of salvation. It's those things that God has won for us. He's won truth for us. He's won purity for us. He's won what's right. He's won what's lovely for us. So we're called to do this. We're called to take on his mind. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He says, by doing this, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take any of that thing Satan gives us and goes, no, no, this is called to be obedient to Christ. My thoughts, my attitudes that lead to my motives and my actions. Where you put your mind, where you set your mind matters. And we can choose the mind of Christ in a time of temptation. And then closely connected to the helmet of salvation is the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit, which he says, is the word of God. And what I would say this is, is it's following the leading of the spirit as the spirit leads us in the word. And so we need God's word in our life. And we need the spirit to guide us. We need to be yielding our lives to the spirit. Now, our minds, when we're tempted, don't have to think about our own knowledge because Closely connected to the helmet of salvation is the sword of the spirit, that offensive weapon. We have the knowledge and the mind and the understanding of God's word and the leading of his spirit. Did you know that when Jesus was tempted, what did he use against Satan? His word, the word of God. Now, he inspired it, okay? But we're called to do the same. He modeled how we're to fight in temptation. We're to fight with the word of God. And what this means is that you don't, the Bible doesn't become your sword until you memorize it. Did you hear that? The Bible doesn't become your sword until you memorize the word of God. Until you use it when you're tempted. So you can know the word of God well enough to turn to it and know about what it's saying. But when you're tempted, most of us go, where's my, we don't do that. We got to have it right on the first of our thoughts, the tip of our tongue. And you can have a hundred Bibles in your home. The Bible's the most prolific book in America. It's in most of our homes, even homes for people who don't believe. I don't know if it's a good luck charm someplace, but until we open it and memorize it, we're not going to use it in battle. Okay, so I know I ruffled some feathers because I know I'm getting the feedback right now. Joe, I don't memorize. I'm horrible at remembering things. (laughs) That's garbage. That's garbage. You remember things that matter. You know how much those shoes cost your wife last last week. You do. To the penny. What? What is this? You remember how much you beat your friend in fantasy football last week. You do. You remember those. Everyone here knows how much they make per hour or per year. We know those kinds of things. We remember numbers that matter. We remember things that matter. And the word of God needs to be something that matters, especially in a time of temptation. So I would never call you something to something that I couldn't help you with. And I'll tell you one of the best instruments and resources for me to grow in this has been an app called Scripture Typer. 
And if you have your phones right now, take them out and download this app, whether at the Apple Store or Google Play Store, if you're Android, and download this. And you can even do it. You can miss the next blank if you're OCD on that on the on the on the notes to do this because this really helped me uh, as as I've in the past year as I've memorized God's word. And, and the amount of, of the word of God that I can now memorize and know and use when I'm being tempted. We've got to have that. The first thought is the word of God to guide us in a time of temptation. So as we look at this, as we look at this, how? How do, this is where I want to take it to maybe an area you haven't been in the armor of God. If God has given us these six things, how do we put them on? Because for me, throughout my walk with Christ, I've kind of seen the armor of God like in an armor room. And there they are on the wall. And isn't that nice how we have that? And isn't that nice? It looks very nice. This looks so Renaissance kind of period. But I've, we've got to put this stuff on. It's so, so many times if you just underline, put on, having put on, fasten, put it on. Don't just look at it. Put on this armor. How do we put it on? Look at what he says. He says, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all persevering perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. How do we put this on? How do we put on the armor that God has given us? We do it through prayer. Through prayer. Prayers, I've said this all along. Prayer is the greatest thing we can do as a follower. And yet it's one of the things that we we most neglect in our lives. Don't have time for prayer. Folks, you are too busy not to pray. You're too busy not to pray. It's the greatest thing we can do. And it's a wonderful gift that we have a God who hears us. And it's the most powerful thing you can do. It's the most powerful thing you can do to your spouse, for your spouse, for your children, for your church family, for your friends, for me. Paul says, pray for yourself at all times. Pray and take on, put on these things. Ask God to give you these things. And with all supplication, perseverance, keep praying. Pray for the saints, the people around you. And if you're doing life with other followers, that's one of the greatest blessings you can do for them is to pray for them. He says, pray for me. Did you know before I get up here, I pray and I'd like you to pray for me. Pray that gospel would come boldly through my mouth, that I would not be swayed even through temptation in my preaching, but I would hold fast to the word of God. It's the greatest thing we can do. And Paul says, that's how you put on the armor. So here's my question. What's the best time for you to get dressed for battle in your daily struggle against temptation? When is it? Before the day begins or after the day's over? Before the day begins. Okay, I just slowed that, so pitched that to you. Yeah, it is. And I know I'm not a morning person. Okay, we've got to get over that. Because we have to be not, we have to be prepared for this. Before you get to 21st and Wanamaker and can't turn to Target. Before you see your spouse who was not sensitive to you last night. Before your kids engage you with everything they want and need. Before your boss 
tells you there's a change in how you'll be, how you'll be paid in the pay structure before that person cancels the order, before all those unexpected things, before you feel hopeless with the news about the diagnosis, is a time to put on the armor of God. And I would just encourage you, find a place, find a time. It's the best time in the morning to put on the armor of God. Secondly, what's the second best time when you think of it? <laughs> now, if it is. So don't go, oh, I didn't meet with the Lord. I guess I'm shot for Satan today. You know, we, we can do that. We can feel hopeless. But really, now the second best time is the time you think about it. So take some time. To, to pray and to seek God in these areas, especially when you're tempted. So let's practice this. Let's practice this as a church family right now. What area are you vulnerable to an attractive deception to the will and the way of God? Let me just mention a few areas. Anger. Some of us are angry. And we hide behind cynical or sarcasm. We hide behind that. But we're really angry. And we're upset. Some of us are impatient. We don't like God's plan in God's timing. We want my plan in my timing. And we want that right now. And we're ticked because God hasn't given that person or that position or that opportunity to us right now. Some of us gossip. We hide behind prayer requests, but it's gossip. Some of us lie. We shade the truth to get the sale. We shade the truth to paint a better picture of ourselves than reality. Some of us lust. We just objectify women or men to make them something pleasing and and something we could use rather than a, a priceless creation of God given dignity and significance. Some of us are bitter. There have been severe hurts happen to us. Some of us are cynical. We're stubborn. We worry. We're anxious. We're caught in materialism. We have unforgiving spirits. We're easily offended. We focus on our self-image over the glory of God. What is it currently in your life? Because here it is, folks. We're all messed up. We're all messed up. But we don't come here in our own strength. We come in brokenness, and God honors brokenness. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. That was the call of Jesus. That was the invitation. So let's practice this. What is it? Write it down. Write it down small so the person next to you won't see it. But write it down. Write it down. What is that area of temptation right now in your life? That's weakness. That you're being offered deceptive, attractive, alternative to the will and way of God. And now, let's practice I'm going to invite you to kneel with me. I know some of you are not able to do that, so that's no problem. It's not a, it's just a posture that we're going to model here. But if you can, and if you'd like, would you join me in kneeling? I know we didn't create this room with a cushioned floor. But I think it's an important posture when we do this, we, we profess our weakness. We lift up the glory and the greatness of God. We worship him. We don't do this anywhere else. We don't bow to anyone else. We bow to Jesus. And so just with a humble heart now, let's be real with God. And let's just confess right now, what is that area that may, might be a stronghold? It might be a temptation right now. And trust it with him. Heavenly Father, we're your children 
You loved us. You lived perfectly for us. You died on a cross for us. And you rose from the dead to defeat the power of sin and death in our lives. We turn to Jesus and we ask you, Lord, we need to be strong in you, not in ourselves. Ourselves put us on our knees. But you have lifted us up. You lift us up. Lord, help us to put on, fasten on the belt of truth. Lead us to truth amidst deception that we're offered. Whether it's needing to have all the answers, whether it's trying to control people, whether it's lying, whatever it is, Lord, lead us to truth amidst deception. Secondly, Lord, we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Give us a passion for what's pure and what's right. We want to long for things you long for. We want to set our hearts on you. And we want to love you more. Give us more of your love. Protect our hearts. Lord, help us to put on shoes for our feet, to live at peace with the gospel, with you, with ourselves, with others. If there's unresolved conflict in our lives, help us to run with the peace of the gospel. And in the spirit of forgiveness that you've forgiven us, help us to forgive others. Help us, Lord, to take up in all circumstances this shield of faith, to be men and women who trust your promises no matter if we feel it, no matter if we fully understand it, but because you're true and you're right and you're best, and we will put our faith and confidence in you. Lord, as we put on the helmet of salvation, guide our minds today and this week as we process what's true, what's false, what's real, what's a deception. Guide our mind and our thought process to take on the mind of Christ. Spirit, direct our lives by your word. May we not just know it, may we memorize it so that at the point of temptation, we can speak it. And there is power in your word. We, your children, ask for you to be our strength, that we might stand in the time of temptation, that Jesus might be glorified and the gospel may be advanced through our lives. It's in the name of Jesus and for his glory that we pray. Amen.